Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. Hey, good morning. Thank you so much for joining us here on Real Presence Live. I'm your host, Karen Gibis, along with my phenomenal co-host, Jack Daniel. Good morning. Good morning. We are broadcasting live from the Mustard Seed Store here in Rapid City, South Dakota. So a big shout out and thank you to Angela for opening her store for us earlier than normal for us to just be here. And she can uh, listen in or just smile at us or... Do whatever Angela does best. Sell us, sell us some books. <laughs> sell us some books. I already got my eye on one. So, <laughs> If you are out and about in the Rapid City area today, make sure you stop into the Mustard Seed Store and tell them thank you for their support of Real Presence Radio. Well, Jacques, I think every good work should begin with prayer. Amen. So do you want to lead us in prayer this morning? Yeah, let's pray. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. This reading from... Uh, the first readings for Mass this morning. For the love of God is this, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. For whoever is begotten by God conquers the world, and the victory that conquers the world is our faith. Heavenly Father, just ask that as we come uh, start this new day and come together, uh, to proclaim the goodness of your name and the ways that you are at work in uh, the world and our in our diocese, we just ask that you would fill us with the uh, with more faith, more hope, and more love. Bless this good work and uh, and all that we are going to talk about today. We pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And, and forgive, forgive us our trespasses, trespasses as, as we, we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, Jacques, let's go right into our first interview. Well, good morning. We have with us in, in the house Dr. Bill Myros, who's going to chat with us a little bit about uh, ministry amidst compounding epidemics. Uh, um, tell us more about yourself, Bill, and, uh, and what we're here to talk about. Well, oh, great, great. Well, thanks for having me here today. Um, uh, just a little bit about myself. As I'm Dr. Bill Myros. I am currently the um, Life, Inc. Program Director for Love, Inc. Um, many people think that the Inc. stands for Incorporated, but actually it means... Which I in, did. <laughs> which actually means in the name of Christ. Oh, beautiful. And so what this ministry does is we partner with churches to help um, them reach the goals that the pastor has as far as reaching the community and helping people up out of poverty. And that poverty is not just financial poverty, but any type of poverty that they may be into. My specific job at, that, in, at Love, Inc. is to design and to develop and to facilitate educational programs. So we do different classes for people to be able to take and to learn different things that they would like to learn to improve their life. 
Um, that, that's what my job is now. Prior to taking this position, I was the Suicide Prevention Program Manager for the South Dakota Army National Guard. I held that position for over five years. And while I was actually in the Guard, I did a lot of their suicide prevention training. So in the course of about six years of doing that, I trained over 7,000 people in suicide intervention training. And so I bring that background into this position. And um, so I just kind of let you know where, what, why I could, could do this. I do, my doctorate is in adult education. I've been an ordained minister for 30 years. And so, um, I, so I'm bringing in a pastoral side of things, too, with this. Uh, suicide prevention and intervention is a passion of mine. And uh, it started even before COVID. And what we're looking at with this training is, is how do we help pastors and church leaders to recognize and to help the um, epidemic, actually, that's going on within suicide and one thing, and the title of this program is Ministry Admits um, Compounding ep Epidemics. What we're seeing, and that you could find statistics, and part of what we have to be careful of is statistics aren't final yet for, for 2020. But we're seeing an increase of um, suicidal behaviors that are taking place due, that could be directly related to the COVID. Um, and so we're looking at how do we help individuals do that? But even before COVID hit, in South, in South Dakota, the number two cause of death for, from about 15 to 25-year-olds is suicide. The number one cause of death is, is accidents. So we've had an epidemic here anyway. Um, South Dakota, has, of the top 10 counties in the nation of having suicide, South Dakota has two of them per capita. And so we've, got, we've had an extreme part of suicide or extreme reaction to suicide here within this within this area as, as it's been. And so what we're looking at is, is how do we get some of our frontline people, how do we develop and help give them the tools for them to help prevent that suicide from taking place? And so that's a little bit about myself and what we're looking at doing as far as this, this program is concerned. And um, hopefully we'll be able to to give pastors and you know the leaders of the parishes some tools to help them see things. So in the case of an, an event like this, did you have, did someone in the community say, hey, I, we need this right now? Or was this something that Love Inc. just came up with and initiated on their own? It, it really happened, the why this took place is, is one of our volunteers took their life. Um, and in the course of doing that, I mean, it, it shook us as a, to the core a little bit. And um, we reached out to the pastor of this individual's church to say, how can we help? And so we, and, and then in doing that, we also reached out to Jim Kenyon, the, the director of Catholic Social Services here in Rapid, and we started a conversation. One of the first things that would, took place was, as I went to the church where the suicide took place, and we had an open discussion with the, with the, the members of that church. And I spent a little over an hour just answering some of the questions that they had about suicide and what to look at. In the course of our conversations, though, with Jim, we looked at how can we do something more proactive rather than reactive. And, and so we got together and we started talking about how we could present this type of a program to be able to help pastors and priests and, the, you know, our clergy see some of these things that are going on and how do we help prevent suicide going forward in the future. 
Yeah, that is a um, important thing I think to equip not only our our leaders and our that are on the front lines of of seeing, especially when you're talking between the ages of 15 and 25. Yeah. I mean, that's such a critical point in anyone's life. And I can speak from personal experience. My 16-year-old brother committed suicide 12 years ago. And if you know, if you can see, you see the behavioral changes or any of those things, yeah. it it will help everyone and it will affect families. We didn't. And yeah. so I can appreciate that you guys have put together this and given it to the ones that maybe a 15 to 25 year old would come and confide in, giving them the tools they need to identify. So if you, so in a case like this, an event like this, now you are targeting just the, the, um, the religious leaders or those in for this particular event that we're going to talk about in a little bit, but do you do this on a regular basis just for the community? Would I, you? Um, over the years, I will go anywhere and talk to anybody about this. Um, and I've done, I have got certifications. I'm a master trainer for one two-day program that, that teaches on suicide intervention skills. I've, you know, I've, I've, this one is one that I've actually written. Okay. Um, what I have done is for this program, I've actually gone and interviewed um, surviving families and asked them, um, what did your pastor do that helped you? What did your pastor do that hurt? What do you wish your pastor would have done? And I've probably got close to 50 hours of interviews with families of, of about those things that we're going to bring into this just for pastors to be aware of that this is something that you might want to consider as you're looking at um, how to go work through this. That is super important. I think that you're getting the feedback from the people who have actually experienced it and not just basing it on assumptions, yeah. in my opinion. What do you think, Jacques? Yeah, no, that's great. I think it's. Um, I think the thing that's been on my mind as the, as the pandemic's moved on and uh, and you start to see all of the pieces that you didn't consider, you know, we're worried about people getting sick uh, a right. deadly virus that's important we're worried about economic factors you know and mm-hmm. and how does that we're just these uh systems of people and and uh, unity of body and soul and what happens when all, all of the support systems and structures and communities and all those things sort of fall out of out of uh your view as as people hold up in their homes and and that's a huge impact mental health you know the whole mental it, health topic it is a, it, an entire mental health po- topic. You know, we look at um, one of recent CDC surveys showed that 40% of the people that they surveyed have shown an increase in mental health anxiety or depression. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's, half, that's almost half of the individuals that do that. You know, you take away the social interaction and, and how important that is for all of us. Even though we may say we don't like people, we still need to be <laughs> we around. We still need them. And then you tie into that whole thing. Look at the anxiety that the past months have produced, not you know, on our political fronts. We, we look at our economic fronts. We don't know how long this is going to take. And that just builds that anxiety. And, and to be honest with you, I truly believe for a lot of people, a sense of hopelessness. And Yeah, the hopelessness is something that, you know, you can hide that pretty well. You can go about your normal job or you can go about being a mom or a dad or what. And the hopelessness is not as, does not creep out as obvious as some things. Right. I think that's a scary situation that, you know, we, we need to recognize, okay, if you're feeling hopelessness, 
in your life right now, there are people who can help you. There are you know, programs out there. There are you know, groups like Love, Inc. that yep. will step in and, and assist you and help you. And there, You don't have to be the, alone in your hopelessness. Correct. That, that's correct, and and the other, you know the other part that I think is so, and one thing that I do stress in in, in the training is, is the importance of our spiritual life. Uh-huh. You know, because if we can maintain a healthy spiritual life, then we can have we've got some good tools to combat hopelessness. Right. Because we recognize that our hope isn't in the world around us, but it's in who we believe in, and that that hope is in Jesus Christ. And so it's it's important that we do that, and and that's one of the things that's stressed within the training is how do we you know how do we make sure we're doing those things that we need to be doing. Yeah, I think it, if you um, can train the right word use, I think yeah. that if you and I right now part of the pandemic and the, the issue I see is that you know, there is the dispensation from mass. There is people who are so fearful for their health that they don't go to church. And you, whether you watch it on Facebook or you watch it on TV, or it's not the same as connecting with the person next to you in the pew. It's not the same as being in the church, whatever denomination you are, and having this sense of community. That's very true. That's very true. That that sense of community is so important. That, That physical touch. Yeah is so important that we aren't getting and and you know reasonably so because of of the possibility of, of cont- right. being contagious but still we how do we overcome that yeah yeah well this is a great conversation we are going to have to take a break but when we come back we are going to talk more with dr bill myros about the suicide epidemic and how to identify it as well as how to help others around us. So please stay tuned and we'll be right back. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, the Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with an end-of-year gift planning tip. With the end of the year approaching, a charitable gift can help you support our mission and receive tax benefits. In addition to gifts of cash, here is a gift strategy worth considering. Gifts of appreciated assets such as securities or real estate are an excellent way for you to help our cause. Securities may be transferred directly to us, while real estate is transferred through a deed. These gifts will not affect your cash flow, and they provide the following tax benefits. A charitable deduction to help you save on taxes, a bypass of federal and state capital gains taxes, and an avoidance of tax on net investment income. To learn more about these strategies and the benefits of making an end-of-year gift, please call or visit our website today at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. Do you know that your prayers today can still aid in the salvation of someone who died years ago? I'm Father Chris Alar. God is outside of time, and since he is all-knowing and all-powerful, he knows every prayer you will ever make and has the power to apply those graces to any point in time, past, present, or future. So if you have lost anyone, especially to suicide, and think that they are eternally lost, you can still help them. God can take your prayers from today and give someone grace at the time of their judgment. 
because he forever knew that you would make that prayer and he wants you to help them accept his offer of salvation. So there is still hope. Please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost and to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Hey, welcome back. Good morning. Welcome back. Real Presence Radio this morning, the Mustard Seed. We're sitting here talking with uh, Dr. Bill Myros from Love, Inc., in the name of Christ, talking about a serious issue of mental health crisis in the midst of a pandemic and and some good conversations about um, just being aware of that and some upcoming training. But, Bill, what is, um, we talked about, uh, in the past, in, in the I'm the I'm the director of youth and young adult ministry for the diocese. So that age group, 15 to 22, and beyond, is sort of in my view. But um, one of the things that I'm conscious about is that um, that group, you know, has its immediate family, but then as it branches out into uh, ministry, as it branches out into participation in the church and in the world, there are all these. Other adults and other people who are intertwining with them, and and um, and the question is, oftentimes suicide kind of seems like it comes out of nowhere. So, uh, what I know that's part of the training, but uh, in the short time that we have, uh, maybe what are some key ways that we can identify if a family member is struggling and needs help? You know, um, one thing, Jacques, I, I would just, um, this training is not just for that 18 to, or 15 to 25-year-old. This is for anyone um, that, whose rates are high. Um, we, when, during this training, we'll be talking about what some risk factors are. You know, in the military, one of the risk factors we talked about quite a bit was um, that 18 to 25-year-old age group and being male. Uh, well, I mean, that makes sense because we're in the military. That's, that's primarily what we are. But the other thing that we look at is um, broken relationships. Um, is there an increase of alcohol or drug use? And so those are some of the risk factors that we look for and warning signs that we'd look for, for as far as that is concerned. Um, you know, for me, one of the things that I talk about with, with training is, is we, we'll go through all of those risk factors, all of those warning signs. And then also what we'll talk about, too, and I just want to throw this in because it, it's not all negative, is we're going to talk about protective factors. What things do we have in our life that we can enhance to keep us safe? Bottom line is this. If you see a change of behavior, there's a reason why. And if we're paying attention, and and most of the individuals, um, it's going to be family and friends that see these change of behaviors. If you see a change of behaviors, I think it's vitally important that we ask, why is your behavior changing? Because there's a reason for that. Now, some of it could be good. There could be a good reason. I mean, one example I use is if you've got a preteen to a, a young teenage boy, they go from being allergic to soap to, to showering five times a day and fumigating the house with their aftershave. <laughs> well, the reason for the change of their behavior is, is they've discovered girls. 
Yeah. Well, I'm not saying that's necessarily a good thing or a bad thing, but that's the <laughs> reason behind it. it. Yeah. And so if you see a child or someone, not just a child, but someone who is, who is um, outgoing and all of a sudden start to withdraw, then there's a reason for that behavior. And that's when we can step in and ask, why is this changing? Because then we can start looking at how do we address that? Because maybe, maybe it could just be a simple thing that is short term, but it could also be that start down that slope towards the suicidal thoughts and ideations. The other side of that is, is so often we think of going from happy to sad, but if you've got somebody who is naturally, I, I call them the natural Eeyore, if they're a natural Eeyore and all of a sudden they're excited and happy, that's a change in behavior. So what we want to do is we want to come back and address that change, what's going on, and have the courage as, as the, the people in their lives to say that. And it's important, I believe it's also very important that we get this message to young people because young people may be the ones who see it in their friends. Uh, and, and one story I have that I just want to share is I had a, a family come to me and we, um, and they, they told me this story and it was that um, their daughter had talked to her best friend about taking her cat. And the, the best friend said, well, why do you want me to have the cat? And she said, because I know my mom and dad don't like the cat and won't take care of it. Well, that best friend had the wherewithal and the, comp the good sense to go talk to her parents. And her parents talked to the girl's parents who found out, who addressed that behavior and found out that she was contemplating suicide and had a plan. And because that friend had the courage to talk to her parents, they were able, that, that young lady's alive today. And so that, when, when I look at, you know, how do I identify it, we can go through a lot of things, which we will during the training, but bottom line, is there a change of behavior? Is there something different? And I honestly believe that we have the Holy Spirit within us and we need to trust our gut. If something's not right, it may be the pizza last night, but at least follow through and find out why I'm feeling that way. So I, I really appreciate that you said that we as the family members, as the, as the friends, need to have the courage to stand up and say something to this person who we think is struggling at the moment. Yeah. And I think that with that, we were talking about how you need to you know, come back to Christ. Christ is, is the key. And that a good, solid relationship with Jesus Christ, a good, solid relationship with community in your church helps you to maintain that courage to be able to stand up and say to this person, I am worried about you. Why did this behavior yep. change? But are there other ways that we can help? You know, besides our courage to say something, are there other ways that we can help the people around us to recognize that their behavior has changed and this could be an indicator? Um, you know, I think there could be. I mean, some of the things is, is just pay attention a little bit. What, what, is there something else changed within their life so you can direct back to that question? Um, it, so, and some people are, I have to say this, some people are very good at hiding things. Uh -huh. And you may not see this. And, and what's where some families struggle is, is the fact that they, they didn't see anything. And they should feel no guilt for that. That's correct. The, the thing that I bring up is, and, and talk about, and I try to live my own life, because it's not easy for me to ask the question, is would I rather take the chance of offending them 
or bothering them and then being bothered with me or take the chance of not asking the question and they take their own life and I have to live with that for the rest of my life that I saw something and didn't ask. Right. So you're, if you are willing to, to maybe take the little bit of pushback and a little bit of pressure yep. from the person, you very well could save their lives. That's correct. And that is an important key. Well, I think um, this training that you've been talking about, we have um, an opportunity here in the Rapid City area to have two days worth of training. Can you speak to what that training would entail and then give the dates? Okay. What this training is going to entail is, is there's going to be an there, a time where um, Jim Kenyon talks about just what the scope of the problem is that he's seen from his office. After that, we're going to go into a prevention training. That prevention training is, um, it, it consists of three parts. The first part of it is, is how do we prevent it in ourselves? How do we take care of ourselves? Because we need to take care mm -hmm. of us first. How do we take body, soul, and spirit, that, that whole concept, to make sure we're taking care of that? The second part is intervention. And, and I look at intervention as being CPR. Okay? Um, we don't want the people that we, we train in these things to go. We just want them to save, their, to save their life. We don't want them to do open heart surgery. Right. We want to get them to someone who is qualified to take care of that and to do that. And then the, the final piece of this training is called postvention. How do we, first of all, there's a couple aspects. How do we, um, as individuals, work with somebody who has attempted suicide? And didn't then they failed? Fortunately, right. how do we work with them? The other part of it is: is how do we, as a church, mm -hmm. how do we first of all deal with someone who who wants to come back into the church and what they're facing to come back into a congregation after a failed suicide attempt? But also, if someone does take their life, how do we work within our church to heal that? To heal that, yeah. See, and all that's all of that is prevention, right? And so, so we'll be looking through that training, and this is a, the training is set up that they, the, under, the participants of the training will actually go through a scenario that I've written. Okay. And they'll pick out risk factors, they'll pick out warning signs, they'll pick out protective factors, and they will address how, how, do, we, how do we do How do we do this? Yep. So it's going to be... Hands-on, in a way, right? A yep. hands-on experience thing. So this, the training um, is on January 21st and, and ja January 26th. Right. And it's the same training, just offered on two days. Um, and we start at 8.30. We go till noon. Um, it's at Terra Sancta here. And um, by, you, they can register online at the terrasancta.org backslash ministry. Okay. Um, they can register for the class app. There's no charge. It's been funded by um, some grants through the Catholic Social Services. And I would say this, just um, one of the things I'm excited about is, is the Carmel rules at Terra Sancta. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah exactly. I, I mean, that alone yeah. might be worth going yep. for the training. So, and, and just a reminder, um, Dr. Myros, the target audience for this is? We're, we're, the target audience is primarily we're looking at um, pastors, full, people who are in full-time ministry, but we're not going to check any credentials at the door. And, and I've got to say this before, before we go to a close. If you're struggling, anybody out there listening, if you're struggling today, reach out and get help. Mm -hmm. The suicide hotline is 1-800-273-8255. And if you're a veteran, press 1. You can get that help. If you're in the Rapid City area, um, you can dial 211 and you can get help right there. 
if you're struggling today, reach out and tell somebody, I'm struggling. And um, you may scare them, you, whatever, but reach out. You know, this, this is a temporary thing, and suicide's a permanent solution. Right. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Uh, Bill Myrose. You can also contact him at Love Inc. Is it what's your website? It's loveinconline.org. Okay. .org. Okay. So contact him if you have need any other um, help or any kind of assistance. Well, up next, what's on our minds, Jock? There's a lot on our minds this morning. Well, we're going to, our (laughs) listeners are going to find out what's on our minds when we return here on Real Presence Live. Thank you for staying tuned with us. And again, thank you for, to the Mustard Seed for hosting us here in Rapid City. We will be right back after this quick break. Live, engaging, and local. This is Real Presence Live where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network.